Morning Twitter. I'm Saeed Jones. He is Isaac Fitzgerald. It is Thursday, day three of the, well, three of the crooked Caucasian <laughs> scandal. It's also AM to DM. Hello. Amen. Let's kick today <laughs> off with this tweet from Ested Wesley. Oof. Beto O'Rourke going from a Senate L to a presidential <laughs> run in four months. Yeah, that's true. I love that gift. Very so. much just like, Quick. and we're yeah. going. And we're moving on. Uh, Beto just finished talking in Iowa this morning. This is how he concluded his speech, a little weird. Uh, he said, I will remember this forever, each of your faces and what you were wearing. Mm. Mm. Will you? That's a little creepy. <laughs> that's, that's what you're wearing. <laughs> that's a little back up. No, man, he's like, little. listen, he's an earnest machine. Yes. You know, he's a machine of earnestness. That's like the kind of thing you'd say at the end of prom. Like everyone had a really great night and just, ooh, I'm going to remember this night for the rest of our lives. Even <laughs> that beautiful gown you're wearing. Oh, I just retweeted someone who said um, that Beto is the substitute teacher who would turn the chair around backwards oh, and sit absolutely. down. absolutely. Be like, I'm a cool substitute yeah. teacher. Yeah, I mean, I wish him the best. Good luck. Welcome to the field of like 25,000 presidential candidates. There are so many. I do want to talk about his name for a second. Beto. 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 And I swear to God, if in two hours we find out that it's actually said another way, I'm not going to say it out loud. I'm going to be really pissed. Beto. Beto. Yeah, it does feel like everyone's saying his name wrong, but we've watched a lot of videos of him saying his own name, and that's the way. Kamala. Kamala. Beto. Beto. Yeah, you got it. What about (laughs) O'Rourke? It's too much. Oh, man. You know, also the dog. Which, hey, the Vandy Fair picks, all right? Like, shout I get out to it. Annie Liblitz. He waits to announce just to get this, like... <laughs> but look at the dog. At the weirdly, corner. the first profile ever written about him. Uh, <laughs> there's never been a profile before about him. And there has never been a photo of a U.S. presidential candidate next to a truck with a dog. Oh, no, absolutely not. The dog, though, the dog is wary. Every single photo the dog's in, I feel like the dog steals it. The dog's just, like, looking directly at the camera, got sad eyes. Like, oh, God, Artemis what are you lo- doing, buddy? The dog's name is Artemis, which Artemis. I love. Um, Artemis is like, listen, I've seen some shit. It's rough out here. <laughs> he's like, you know? He's like, my dude. Lower to the ground. My dude, come back. Let's just chill. <laughs> well, Twitter, uh, clearly everybody, except for Artemis, is running for president. Wish you Why would. not you? Join the fun. Um, so let's take it to the timeline. How are you going to announce your 2020 president? bid. Uh, you know, are you going to do it on AM to DM? No. You know, going to do it with Oprah? I would understand if you would. Let us know using the hashtag, should have gone with Oprah. Yeah, man, I can't believe he passed up that opportunity. Better you should have gone with Oprah. You the black should've. vote is already in question. A very on-point tweet from comedian Josh Gondelman. I am furious at Beto for knocking the college admissions bribery scandal out of the headlines with his stupid announcement. Not on my watch. Not on, Not on my watch. We're going to keep talking about this damn scandal. It makes me so happy. The last thing I went to, I tried to go to sleep three times last night. I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done reading about the scandal and the yachts and the cheese and crackers. And I was like, okay, no, I got to read more. We're we're going to continue. What this. were you calling it this morning? Caucasian? Corrupt Caucasian. There it is. Hashtag corrupt Caucasian. In part because like college admittance scandal, it's just too long. Mm. Hashtag corrupt Caucasians. Well, to this point, uh, Dave. Daily Beast reporter Scott Bixby tweeted, Isabel Henriquez is one of the only students accused of knowingly participating in the college cheating scandal, uh, and now her Georgetown degree may be in jeopardy. Because that's interesting. A lot of the kids did not know. She did. Daily Beast reporter Scott Bixby joins us now. Scott, good morning. Morning, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. You know in your piece that Isabel's case is pretty unusual. Why is that? Well, 
the uh, district attorney or the uh, federal uh, prosecutors that were examining the case largely left the kids out of it because by and large, their parents actively took steps to prevent their kids from understanding that their tests were being uh, fixed after they had already taken them or that they were being deemed uh, athletic recruits to be uh, join up with the college sports teams in order to like kind of pave their way into getting these elite colleges. But in Isabel Enriquez's case, she, according to the complaint uh, or released on Tuesday, actively knew about what was happening. Um, and she and her mother got together with the proctor that she had taken the SATs alongside with and joked and gloated afterwards about how they were able to get away with this cheating scandal. Gosh, this is, it only becomes more interesting. Um, tell us more about her, because, I, you know, as you noted in your story, you discussed her, quote, um, newfound lifelong passion for tennis. So tell us about that passion. <laughs> Uh, well, part of the problem uh, with Isabel's original SAT scores, the legitimate scores, were that uh, she only, according to the complaint, scored a 1580 out of 2400, which is a rough score. Uh, and even if they were able to improve it by about 30%, which is about how high they were willing to go when they would adjust these scores in order to not draw too much attention, uh, it was generally considered not high enough to get into Georgetown, which is where she and her family uh, really wanted her to attend. So in addition to the inflated uh, SAT scores. They also created a fake athlete profile to show that she was actually this phenomenal high school tennis star that she had spent two years on the U.S. Tennis Association's All-American academic team, that she had been uh, top 50 ranked uh, junior tennis player for three years running, when in actuality, she had not played in a single tennis tournament her entire high school career. Ooh, child, the ghetto. I just want to, just for clarification, uh, this young woman uh, sat down with a shady SAT proctor who sat with her uh, and guided her through the answers on the SAT, and she still only got a 1900 out of 2400, and then she was bragging to, to her classmates and friends at Georgetown? Uh, no, this was her, uh, she, after the fact, according to the complaint, after she had taken the exam, she and her mother and the proctor all gloated together, allegedly, about how they were able to get away with this. Again, getting away with the 1900 which for $25,000, I would have expected a little more bang for my buck, but that's just me. Yes, <laughs> you just have higher standards. Shoot for the moon. What do we know about Isabel's time at Georgetown? Well, uh, she's currently a junior. She's studying Spanish. She is... Uh, president, I believe, of the Hoya Helpers, which is a tutoring program uh, where Georgetown students help underprivileged kids in the Washington, D.C. area with their own step, uh, presumably not for $25,000 in graft. Um, she also uh, has interned recently last summer at her father's uh, venture capital fund in Silicon Valley, Hercules Capital, or I should say former venture capital fund. Her father uh, voluntarily left yesterday after he was charged with the conspiracy to commit mail fraud. Right, so we're already beginning to see uh, the fallout uh, from this news breaking. Do we know the latest on her? I am curious, like, are any students going to be kicked out of school or, you know, if they are caught up in this scandal? You know, Georgetown's honor code is pretty clear about this. There, There is an adjudication process whereby presumably uh, anyone who's... Uh, accused of academic dishonesty faces an honor board and their proceedings and appeals processes, but it's laid out fairly clearly in this uh, school's honor code that it the most severe thing that one can be accused of is fabricating their academic credentials, and that that uh, if that is found to be the case, then it could lead to dismissal from the university. 
It could lead to dismissal. Well, thank you so much for the piece, and thank you for joining us this morning, Scott. Thanks for having me, guys. Me, man, like, don't get me wrong, I know she knew, and a lot of the other kids didn't know, but for me, it still comes back to the parents. Mm. Like, you know, like, yes, she's out there bragging, but the fact of the matter is, she did this because she was encouraged by her parents, mm. you know? And she did know, but so many other kids are waking up to find out they might be getting kicked out of school for something they didn't even know about. What a and, mess. And I, and as I'm thinking through this, I just feel like this case is so high profile. This is unprecedented in our nation's history. I think the DOJ has never brought a case like this for college admissions. So if a student was to be expelled like Isabel at this point. It's so high profile. I'm like, what happens when you try to apply somewhere else? Obviously, people are going to go, hey, what happened here? I'm seeing this yeah, it, detail on your record. I mean, imagine, like, when you get in trouble in colleges or trouble in high school, it's not a very fun moment. Imagine if all the national media was looking at it. It sucks. And then your parents paid, like, Thousands and thousands yeah, parents, of dollars. I blame the parents. It's a I mess. blame the parents. It's a mess, the ghetto. Anyway, well, here's a tweet from Reuters. Let's talk about those planes. <laughs> Congress uh, wants to know why the FAA waited so long to ground Boeing 737 jets. Me too, yeah. God damn it. I think a lot of people do. We've got questions, and BuzzFeed News science reporter Dan Vergano has answers. Dan, good morning. Good morning, guys. All right, so a lot of people are worried about the 737, and rightfully so. Why was the U.S. so late in grounding these planes? Uh, that's a great question, and we're going to get a lot of answers coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, the simple answer is that they got new data, uh, satellite data, and um, some uh, information from the wreckage, they said. Uh, what that means is not quite clear. That uh, pointed to a systematic problem that led to this crash and the one before it in October. And so the Canadians... Uh, pulled the planes, and the U.S. said, you know, us too, uh, looking at this particular data, and that was the determining thing that made us wait until yesterday to do this. Wow. Um, I, I'm glad uh, that this decision has been reached. I think one plane under these conditions in the air right now is is one plane too many, but is this a, is it fair to say this feels like a scandal um, and that there could be some blowback for the delay in reaching this decision? There's a lot of questions here. In particular, it's uh, emerged in some reporting yesterday that uh, Boeing and the FAA are working on a fix to concerns about the plane's control software that got interrupted by the, you know, the shutdown uh, that we had in D.C. In, in January. So five weeks of not working on this, and then this crash happens. Uh, that's going to make people you know, very uh, angry if that's the case. And you know, Congress has already called hearings. Um, it sure looks like other countries are more willing to, to pull the cord on this one before the U.S. was. So it's really becoming a question of who knew what and when. When. Has Boeing, because we've got two different right. kind of operations here. We've got the FAA and we have Boeing itself. Have we heard anything from Boeing? Well, Boeing says uh, today, uh, yesterday that they now support the recommendation to ground the planes uh, and uh, agree with FAA. Uh, of course, you know, the day before that, they were saying, um, we don't see any reason to do it yet. Um, but out of an abundance of caution, suddenly yesterday, they they suddenly agree with the FAA. Okay, and, and as Isaac has noted, there, and as you've said as well, there are a lot of questions and things going around. Something I've seen alluded to on the timeline I wanted to ask, is it true that the 737s were not grounded until the stock for Boeing um, as a company started to go down yesterday? Uh, well, not quite. I mean, as soon as the crash happened, uh, it's a second crash in, in, in less than a year the stock had started to fall. It fell, you know, about 12% uh, last couple of days, uh, which is pretty significant uh, for a company the size of Boeing. Of course, you got to realize their stock is trading about 400 bucks a share now, and three years ago, it's trading at 100 bucks a share. So um, it's gone up a lot. It has a lot of room to fall. Okay. I mean, it's capitalism. It's like, oh, it's like, eh, actually, maybe a hit they could take. 
they're a they're a champion. Uh, they're they're not a company like any other. I mean, they're pretty much wedded to the Defense Department, uh, the way that Airbus is the Europeans, and so they're not a company like any other. Um, they are very much part of the federal government, very much a uh, U.S. exemplar company. And so what happens to them is sort of more important than, say, what happens to guys making nails or, you know, chicken wire. I feel like you were also holding a little bit back there, Dan, but we're going to leave it there for now. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Take care, guys. All right, friends, we've got another great show for y'all today. Super Bowl champion Russell Wilson is here. Plus, I'm going to be talking with poets Dinez Smith and Franny Choi. I love our Poets Hotline segments. But up next, it's time for Fire Tweets. the Avengers Endgame trailer came out earlier this morning mm-hmm. and I was so excited to talk about it. I ain't got nothing to say. I'm sorry. I, I like it. I'm you really... Yeah. I was, I, no, really. I was a little like, oh, okay. No, I, I'm man. excited about the movie, but I was watching it and I was like, I don't know. It's it's hard. Like, the, the plot, everything, the, the, the big piece, this is like a decade in the making, mm-hmm. the seriousness and everything in terms of trailers. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I know I'm going to love the movie, but the trailers have been like just... I feel like the first trailer had a little bit of that jokey element okay. that you're maybe looking for, right? Yeah, or surprise, or you're like, oh shit, look at this yeah, fight scene. Yeah, or, I think they're holding a lot back. I yeah. think they're keeping the cards really Which close to the chest. Yeah. And I think they were really, it is a very somber tone. It's somber, that's what I mean, it was like dark. I saw somber. Kevin Wynn had tweeted basically, okay. he's like, what if the whole movie's actually just about mourning and loss? What if there's no, there's no, they don't beat Jeez. Thanos, there's no, what if it's oh. just them like really going through it? I don't oh. think that's actually uh, what it's yeah. gonna be. Still want some, still superheroes, still comic books. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. Okay, let's get into these fire tweets. Um, I love this username, Chocolate Exposure. All right, honey. You tweeted, I really ain't paying these student loans back now after this admission scandal. Mm. And you ain't saying nothing but a word, honey. Imagine if that's where the money had gone. Imagine if it was to help relieve student loan debt for students in need instead of paying to get rich kids into mediocre schools. Speaking of which, mm. at the point that we now have like 25,000 people running for president, we got Beto uh, announcing his run this morning. Don't you think it would be interesting to see at least one person say we need to cancel student loan debt? Don't you think? <laughs> that is that is wildly optimistic. Let's start with healthcare. I mean, don't get yeah, me wrong. Just, you know, just like all these people promising radical new ideas. I don't know. Your lips, God's ears. Mm. Screaming but calm, you tweeted me sewing. Ha ha! Fuck yeah! Yes, <laughs> me reaping. Well, this fucking sucks. What the fuck? <laughs> Did Beto's dog tweet this? <laughs> <laughs> You reap what you sow. Like, oh no, no. oh no! <laughs> Look at what I got into. What a mess! Okay. You leave the <laughs> you I'm leave Artemis alone. Artemis is shook. I want to write a whole like little fan fiction series about Artemis. I love this username too. On God and them, uh, you tweeted. Somebody said Rosa Parks fought for no reason because the back of the bus be lit as shit. <laughs> This is terrible. I have no comment on the first half of that tweet, but back at the end. Ancestors, look away for a moment. Look away. When you were Riding a kid. Riding the back of the bus was really fun When as a kid. you were a kid, that That's was true. the place to be on the school bus. If you were in the front, you were a goddamn nerd. Yeah, snitches. Goddamn snitches. Okay, ancestors come back. Ancestors okay, come back. Happy Women's History Month. <laughs> Miss John tweeted, I tried to do a split this morning in the classroom with the kids. I got halfway down, and one of the little boys said, That's enough, Miss Sean. And he was right. Mmm. <laughs> Getting old's tough. Getting old's real tough. That's bold. That, I mean, points for trying. I, shout out to you, because Lord knows I can't. That points shit. to your student for caring about your health? 
I think it's actually kind of a whole, when Listen, you look at it, it's nice. Uh-huh. It's a nice tweet. Because no one's going to have to say, Mr. Jones, I don't think you should try doing the splits. You, you want to go for it? Nope. <laughs> nope. Okay. Tweet of the day comes from the wonderful Jess Dweck. You tweeted, feel like the choice for Beto was either to run for president or buy a motorcycle. Could have started another band. Yeah, and he settled on a pickup truck. <laughs> I still, again, the fact that he didn't announce on Oprah is the thing that really yeah, I just, I just want to know, like, what, what was the thinking? We'll see how it all plays out. Coming up, I sit down with Russell Wilson, quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. But up next, we are going live from the dish. All right. Welcome back. We're going live from the district. Here's a tweet from Zoe Tillman. Manafort is going to prison for nearly seven years for the charges brought by Mueller's office. And now there are new charges out of New York, which wouldn't be covered by a presidential pardon. Mm. Joining us now to talk about this tea is BuzzFeed News politics reporter Nidhi Prakash. Nidhi, good morning. Hello, good morning. All right, so my math score on the SAT, uh, unfortunately, was uh, (laughs) legit and bad. So help me with the math here. How did the judge arrive at this number for Manafort sentencing? Right, so basically, uh, Judge Amy Berman-Jackson took into account that Manafort had already received a sentence from the Southern Eastern District of Virginia. And so she took into account all the months that he'd been given there, Uh, on top of her sentence, as you said, because some of the crimes were basically concurrent crimes, part of the same actions, um, that some of those things would be served concurrently. So that means that the sentence from the Eastern District of Virginia and the sentence that she handed down, some of that time overlaps. And that's how we got to this number. And he's also served some time already while he's been waiting for this, Hmm. uh, this next sentence. So this is how we got to that. Um, I think a lot of journalists who are covering this yesterday were doing the maths real quick um, and trying to figure this out. But yeah, that's basically how we got there. Yeah, it was like, carry the one, <laughs> add another crime, add another crime. Concurrent <laughs> Caucasian right. crimes. I'm sorry, I just wanted to give that to you. Uh, but then got hit with these new charges out of New York. What are those all about and why would they not fall under maybe a presidential pardon? Right. So those charges are coming from the Manhattan DA, and those are around residential mortgage fraud. Um, so as you said, basically, because it's coming from a state court, if he is convicted and sentenced under, for, for those charges, it would not be something that is something the president can pardon. All right. And, and I just have to ask, has Trump responded to this news yet? So he was asked yesterday, and uh, he was asked directly if he's considered a pardon for Manafort, and he said that he hasn't thought about it. Um, And then he generally sort of said that he thought it was a very sad situation and he felt bad for him. Very sad situation, and he feels bad for him. Well, Nitty, thank you so much for all the latest. We appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News reporter Dominic Holden. Uh, Trump officials are super adamant that the new transgender military ban, quote, is not a ban. But people, look at me. Are you looking at me? It's a fucking ban. That's what, <laughs> what it is. What is it? It's a fucking ban. It's a ban. Okay, don't let these straight people lie to you, girls. It's a ban. Mm-hmm. Dominic joins us now. Good morning, Dom. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, I like your, uh, <laughs> how do we say, flair? It's, it's a pin. Uh, oh, it's a pin. <laughs> It's yes, a it's a very large pin. Yeah, I mean, I've got a couple, I'm a, but I mean, I know. A proud member of the BuzzFeed News Union. I know you, Dominic. Your shoulders are much broader than that, so I know that's got to be a really big pin. Uh, but let's get back into the news, my man. How exactly will Trump's transgender military ban impact those who are serving? 
Okay, so this new ban affects uh, a, a number of people. It bans anyone who has transitioned uh, their gender from enlisting in the military. It also prevents anyone who's currently in the military from coming out as transgender and uh, adopting the appearance of their preferred gender. So it prohibits anyone from uh, wearing um, uniforms or hairstyles or uh, any attire uh, that is inconsistent with what the military calls their biological sex. So essentially you cannot enlist uh, and you cannot come out. The military says that it will grandfather in people who have already come out under a 2016 policy. The transgender people in the military I've spoken to have serious worries that they will be able to stay in. But by and large, enlisting and coming out in the military will be banned under this new policy starting on April 12th. Okay, so listen, you know, when he was running, Trump loves to talk about 2016, so let's talk about it. Uh, there, of course, there was a moment he was waving the rainbow flag on stage. He's been uh, very outspoken about his so-called good reputation um, with the LGBT community. Um, how does this sync up? How are they uh, spinning, frankly, this ban now? Because this is an anti-LGBT policy. Absolutely. There was a press conference phone call with the Pentagon yesterday. I was on it and they had an official who asked not to be named. And the opening remarks from uh, this official were that this is not a ban and that this is not discrimination on the basis of gender identity. So what gives? Um, essentially, they argue that people can be transgender in their hearts, in the way they personally identify. They can even say that they are transgender. However, they cannot be or act transgender in their appearance and during their service. So it is essentially they have to pretend that they are not transgender. Wow. The military uh, contends that the basis for this is they are prohibiting people who have gender dysphoria, calling it a serious condition. This is not a mental disorder. Um, but uh, it is the condition to describe people who feel essentially a disconnect between their sex identified at birth and the gender that they feel. This is characteristic of the vast majority of transgender people. And so to claim that this is about gender dysphoria and not about being transgender is plainly dishonest. It is clearly a ban, even though they say it's not. And frankly, it's a little bit weird. Like these people are sort of telling us up is down and down is up and they're running the military. So it doesn't give us a lot of confidence in the clear thinking of the Trump administration's running of the Pentagon. I know the administration isn't saying it, but this really does have tones of don't ask, don't tell oh, to me. Like, that tones. is wild. Yeah. Uh, so Dom, I want to ask, is anyone still challenging the ban? Yeah, there are several court cases that continue to proceed. And in one of them, it appears that there is still an injunction that blocks the policy from taking place. The trans challengers in the U.S. District Court of Washington, D.C. have filed saying that the government cannot proceed with this policy, that the mere issuance of, its, uh, of the policy of the ban uh, constitutes a violation of that injunction. A judge yesterday called on the government to state its position, explain itself, and they, uh, the Pentagon and the Justice Department have until Friday tomorrow to explain how they're releasing this policy despite the appearance of an injunction remaining in place. All right. Well, uh, thank you for an update on this and thank you for being so clear um, in response to obvious spin. Thanks, Dom. Thanks for having me. 
All right, friends, up next, it's time for Poets Hotline with the wonderful Danae Smith and Franny Choi. Stay tuned. I'm so, you guys are going I'm wild I'm so now. excited. I'm Hello, my queens. This is Poets Hotline, and I'm here with Danae Smith and Franny Choi, host of the Poetry Foundation's Versus podcast. Hello, darling. Hey. <laughs> this is too much fun. It's silly. This is too much fun. Um, so I love the Versus podcast um, because I feel like you found a way to talk about it that's relatable to people who maybe feel a little shy mm -hmm. about poetry. How did you figure out how to do that? Well, I think that we thought about how all of our best conversations mm -hmm. about poetry, like the most exciting conversations, mm -hmm. not just about poetry, but also like about the world, right. happen with poets, because mm -hmm. poets are some of the smartest and funniest and weirdest thinkers that we know. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to just like bring some of those conversations into a room that other people were invited into. Mm -hmm. And we kind of wanted to feel like people were just dropping in on a living room conversation okay. where there'd already been a little whiskey, a little ganja, and then <laughs> the conversation turns to poetry in that way. Because I think yeah. that's the feel of how we want the show to have, uh -huh. um, because Poetry can feel so closed off to folks, they feel like they don't have enough access, enough training to access right. it. But if we can make poetry um, a casual topic for, in casual conversation, and just realize that poets are more than their live breaks and their stanzas, uh -huh. um, but they're also real whole people too, uh -huh. then maybe that helps invite um, unindoctrined people into right. poetry. Right. And you, you talk about both poetry and, and life as you noted, mm -hmm. um, and, and it feels intentional. Like, why does poetry have the reputation of being closed off or all white. Because your ninth grade teacher didn't teach it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know? Um, exactly. Yeah. I think about my poetry education. I hated poetry when mm -hmm. I first started out. I was learning Robert Frost and Emily Dickinson and maybe Langston Hughes if it was February. Okay. Uh, but, okay. <laughs> True? Yeah, but it wasn't until later when I discovered that there were poets that were talking about my life, that were addressing things going on in the early 2000s that were black and gay just like me and not like kind of like Walt Women or kind of like all these other folks. Um, that poetry opened up and so I want, I, I hope that I think right now as a country, we're experiencing a re-meeting of poetry yeah. um, with spoken word, with things like that poetry that happened, but with button poetry, with everything. And hopefully verses can just be a small little cog in that reintroduction to folks or poetry. Absolutely. Franny, I'm so excited about your new book, Soft oh, Science. Thank you. Uh, it comes out in April. So imagine you're a guest on Versus. Uh, what would be Ooh. the title of your Versus episode? What would be the big idea you'd want to talk about? Oh, I mean, I guess probably Franny Choi versus uh, AI or Franny Choi versus <laughs> Is the cyborg. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that versus would not just be like being like anti uh -huh. artificial intelligence, like anti robots that are uh -huh. taking over the world, but like all of our versus things are about sort of like what relationship do you see with that concept? Mm -hmm. Like how do you feel like you're in a dynamic kind of tension with that concept? So mm -hmm. yeah, that's what it would be. There's a lot of robots in my book. I love it. I'm so <laughs> excited to read it. Well, let's, let's do it for a moment because I love on the podcast you don't talk, just talk about poetry. Mm -hmm. yeah. So listen, I'm obsessed with the uh, corrupt Caucasians, yeah. college scandal. <laughs> um, so let's do it. AM to DM versus corrupt Caucasians. Oh, what what is your thinking as we've been seeing this story kind of break out? Ugh, so many things. That I really <laughs> missed my white boat. You know, I feel like... <laughs> Um, I feel like I was just a little spirit sitting up in heaven, and if I was just waited two more seconds, could have been all of in Felicity Huffman's womb, you know? Like, <laughs> making money off this college Instagram. Uh, You're like, where's my yacht? Yeah, it's very simple. But it, it does, it makes me want to call all, everybody who told me I was only in college because of my scholarship. So, because um, I've seen a lot of people yeah. tweeting about this. So, yeah. did you both have that experience in college where people were like, you know you're here because of affirmative action, right? Well, not me, because as like an Asian American, okay. like, uh, there are East Asian people who have, I mean, I mean, the real scam mm -hmm. is white people 
bringing Asian Americans along on their racist mm-hmm. uh, agenda to get rid of affirmative action. See? So I didn't mm-hmm. really, get, I didn't really get that. But um, but my immigrant mom still worked like many hours a week in a tough jobs mm-hmm. in order to send me to college. Like everything that she made mm-hmm. went to me going to college. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. Asian like we're sort of like in slightly different. Parts of that. That's true. And it's part of what I love about the conversations you're able to have because of that difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's uh it's like delightful seeing things be exposed. Um, but it is a little, you know, you know, because it's like it's the truth. That's why I realized Um, that this corruption scandal, I've just found it ecstatic Mm -hmm. because the truth (laughs) is always good. It is. The truth is always good to have. It's delicious. It's tea. It's delicious. It's delicious. And like now everybody gets to taste the tea. Mm -hmm. And hopefully it exposes the further scams, right? The scam of the legacy admission, the scam uh Think, do you think the scam gets to like poetry, gets to art at some point in some Ooh, ways? well, then I might have to call myself out. So, okay. you know, I, would, I would like my scams to run their full course before we start calling out those scams. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to ask one more thing. I had to ask, you tweeted about a delightful conversation. Oh, Lord. You had with your parents yes. um, who are divorced. Never married, Never married, Never girl. married. Okay. Never, never, married, married. Girl. never married. You can see it right no, there. No, mine yeah. was a Tatiana. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what's it? I just, I mean, I just love the moment. It was very sweet, and people can like see the tweet right there. Um, but <laughs> what's it like thinking about family and social mm. media? You know, like the the private and the public. Yeah, because you navigate this very well. I do. Um, well, one, it's great to know that your parents have no idea what's going on outside of Facebook, and so I have abandoned Facebook so I can talk shit about them on Twitter and, I and Instagram. I see. Uh, okay. <laughs> but it's a cool thing to investigate. You know, I feel like um, I reached a point where I was like, if I can be so open about my life or my family's life or my poetry, then why can't I also do that mm-hmm. in these other sectors of my life. And mm-hmm. so I'm happy to share my, like, you know, funny, slightly over-sexualized parents with everybody, <laughs> you know? Um, daddy was a freak. Mama, you know, ain't got no shame. And so why should I shame them when they're not shaming themselves? I, and that's a perfect point to end it. I, guys, you see why I'm all about this damn podcast. Okay, we love it. We love it. Danez, Franny, thank we can do this all morning, but thank you for joining thank us, Thank you guys. so much. Okay, new episodes of Versus Season 3, I want to be on this podcast, by the way, oh, are available hi. every other week at poetryfoundation.org or wherever you get your podcast. Watch it, tweet about it, watch it, listen to it, tweet about it. Okay, up next, we're going to be talking to Sierra's husband, uh, Russell Wilson. I've been trying to avoid saying that all morning. He's also a very successful Super Bowl football player. I'm so excited. This is The Sit Down, and I am so excited to be joined by Super Bowl champion Russell Wilson, quarterback, for the Seattle Seahawks. How you doing, Good man? Good to see you, man. How you Thank been? Thank you so much for coming yeah, on. Yeah, awesome. This is my first time being on BuzzFeed. Really yeah, appreciate so. having you here. Let me ask you, it's the off-season right now, yep. right? But I have a feeling you're not the type of guy <laughs> that, like, has an off-season. What do you do? What do you do when you're not playing? Well, I'm constantly busy. I, I think for me, obviously, training is the number one thing, mm-hmm. number one priority in terms of just all year round. You're kind of doing that. But we just got back from Brazil. We went to Carnival, Sierra and I. Okay. We, uh, we had some amazing experiences there and activations there. And then we took a little family trip to St. Bart's and then came up here to New York. And been a busy week here in New York already, doing a bunch of stuff around production. Mm-hmm. Uh, our production company's growing like crazy. And... Uh, uh, my company, West East, Sierra's company, Beauty Marks Entertainment. So we're doing a bunch of stuff around that. Sierra has the in-style cover, uh, you know. Which, congratulations, yeah, right? You guys were at the party last night? Yeah, so they had a nice little private party at the new Hudson uh, area, down, downtown New York. And that's that's amazing, which is opening today. And and then uh, and then I do Jimmy Fallon tonight and, and uh, go to New York Yankees spring training tomorrow. So. That's like 24 <laughs> hours in your life. But I do, I want to talk about that vacation, all right? 
You were there in St. Bart's, and I'm just going to read a headline from the trip, okay? Yeah, okay. Love is Russell Wilson fixing Sierra's wig <laughs> in the middle of the ocean. So what happened there? So we, we did a nice little uh, fun yacht trip or whatever and hung out. But the coolest thing is, is that you're just jet skiing everywhere, having a bunch of fun, so we put the slide out. <laughs> you know how it is, yeah. just jet skiing so everywhere. we put the slide out, which is probably, ah, yay, I don't know, 60 feet up in the air, sliding down. And she she's sliding down, next thing you know, her wigs are sideways. <laughs> Had a little fun, though, but it, it was entertaining. She, she posted that. It was, it was a lot of fun. Did you, like, jump in the water to fix it? How'd you? I was already in the I went down the slide first to test it out. You know, I'm, I'm a guinea pig sometimes. Brave man, brave ham. And you're, listen, your family's adorable. People obviously just, like, obsessed with you, obsessed with Sierra. What, what's it like? Um, you have any tips for people that are trying to have, like, a blended family? Well, man, that's a great question. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that question. I, you know, I think the best thing is love. You know, mm. in terms of tips, I mean, you know, being there for your kids, you know, tucking them down, putting them in bed, you know, going as many things as you can. And I think ultimately, you know, the thing that I've learned most, and I think this is real, I think the thing that I've learned the most is that, you know, I— being a step, being a stepdad, and then also having a, a little daughter too, as well. Mm. Being a stepdad, you, you you really find out what love's like mm. because it's 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 interesting. You know, it's easy to love somebody that's your own blood, mm -hmm. you know, and everything else. But when you can love somebody just like you know, it's your own child, you know, and everything else. That that's that's what real love's like. And it, so, do you have a moment when you like kind of remember discovering that, or what? Like, what, what was there a moment that was surprising to you? Surprising as you become like a stepfather again. I wouldn't say surprising, but just the little things of life. You know, when they get the first walk, mm. you know, watching a little man, you know, walk for the first time was mm. amazing. Uh, you know, it's just like, wow, this is a blessing. And then, then also, you know, taking him to little league practice, you know, <laughs> baseball, and he hits his first first at bat, home run around the whole field. Wait, really? <laughs> first at bat. You know, and so now he's practicing football and everything else. And so it's just those moments, take him to school, mm -hmm. you know, those, those things like that. So and showing up. Yeah. Part of love is showing up. Yeah, I, for sure. Awesome. You also have a foundation. Listen, man, I, literally, the list they sent me, they were like, here's all the things he's doing. I was like, that's a lot. Uh, why not you, Foundation? Yeah. What kind of work do you do there? Well, it's a blessing with that. We've done, we've been, uh, been fortunate to raise millions and millions of dollars. And so, so, so many amazing things. So many kids we've been able to affect. You know, the, the mission of the Why Not You Foundation really is to empower change in one individual, one, one child at a time. And, you know, really what we try to teach is the why not you attitude. You know, my mm -hmm. dad used to always ask me this question. He said, son, you know, why not you? Why not you graduate early? Why not you Why not you graduate in three years? Why not you play pro, pro baseball, pro football, and all these different things? Mm -hmm. And so the thing with that was is that really, you know, it was it was a fundamental question I had to ask myself my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we all ask ourselves, subconsciously or consciously. You know, whether if you're, you're going through cancer, mm -hmm. you know, and why can't, why can't I overcome this? Mm -hmm. You know, if, if, if you're trying to get the first job that you, you've ever had, if you're trying to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback, <laughs> if you're trying to have your own show and run the show and yeah. all these different things, I think that's, that's the question we all have to ask ourselves. And, and uh, so we've been able to do some amazing things um, in a big, big way from T-cell therapy research around cancer. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the success rate's over 94% or something like that, mm -hmm. which is amazing. That's See, literally seeing, the most rewarding thing is seeing a kid go into the hospital with cancer and literally walk out with, with no more cancer. <sighs> Um, is that, that's the most rewarding thing when you see him walk out. That's gotta her. be incredible. Do you have something to, when you ask yourself that question, why not you, or, or you're talking to somebody and, and you're, why not you? And their answer is like, but why me or something like that. Do you have like a, a piece of advice or a way of thinking to kind of overcome that moment? Well, I think that the first thing is, you know, ad ad adversity is temporary. Mm -hmm. And sometimes um, adversity can be a little bit longer than other, other times. Mm -hmm. But at the, end of the, at the end of the day, if we can overcome these moments, 
Uh, and overcoming doesn't necessarily mean if you have cancer, for example, and you have no more cancer. Yeah, that's overcoming it. But also, um, sometimes people come and go. Mm. And the reality is how do you overcome it is, 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 is your mentality, your, your spirit. You know, the funny thing is, is and I don't have the statistics of this, but just from an observational standpoint, we get to go to Children's Hospital every Tuesday. And the rooms and the kids and the people and the families that— that are able to one either move on mm. something does happen tragic or also the the families and the, and the kids and everything else that are able to overcome cancer typically those are the families that have a neutral mindset those mm. are the families who you know what this is the situation but we're going to be positive about it we're going to be we're going to be uplifting mm. we're not going to be discouraged all the time you mm. know those the families who have good language mm. you know those are the families that overcome a lot of the times so that's um, and, and it's actually it's fascinating to see fascinating you know Sierra always says you know music helps heal the soul mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so you know going in there Sierra singing and dancing playing music and everything else me being able to go in there and talk about sports and <laughs> these moments um it's magical to see, you know, how it helps. To kind of, li- to, to lift spirits. You and Sierra, man, uh, we're going to get into a game in just a second. But okay. you also, you've got this app called Tally yeah. in which you can kind of win money by predicting whether it's football games or the outcome of The Bachelor, kind of anything. Do you guys ever play versus each other? <laughs> yeah, we do. It's actually entertaining. <laughs> we, we play The Bachelor a couple times. We don't watch The Bachelor all the time, but when we get to, it's pretty funny. Did anybody but, win on the last? Uh, she beat me, I think, one time. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's actually really entertaining. So basically Tally, I think HQ Trivia for Live Events. What if okay. every live event was as important as the Super Bowl? Okay. And when I was a young kid, we said literally tally and say, what's the score going to be? Who's going to score? Who's, you know, what point, you know? And so it, the tally, the concept essentially is every live event's important. Mm-hmm. You know, whether if it's obviously the Super Bowl, if it's NBA Finals, if it's March Madness coming up here, mm-hmm. right? You know, now that it's not just about, now it's not just about, okay, yeah, you know, obviously who, if you pick Kentucky and I pick Duke and Kentucky wins, okay, you you win the, you win the, you know, the, the, the matchup. Right. But, but also, hey, now game one versus number 16 is now significant. Who, if, it's, if it's Duke versus VCU, for example, let's just say, well, you know, now that game's important because if, if, if VCU, who, who's going to hit most, most amount of threes? So basically, tally is 12 to 24 questions. Uh-huh. Keep it simple. And, and the idea is, you know, yeah, for Major League Baseball, for, for the NBA Finals, for, for The Bachelor, like you said, The right. Voice, The Masked Singer, for all these live events, the Olympics. Right, right, now right. These, now these matchups and these moments are important. And it's a fun, free predictions game that, you get to play and, and be entertained. And it's a way to kind of stay in touch, too. You know, like all of a sudden, you're like, you've got an incentive to really be paying attention. Also, thank yeah. you. I, I don't know a lot about college basketball, but I hope I faked it through that <laughs> well enough. Uh, but I am, I'm going to, we're going to play a quick game here, Let's right? Do it. Let's it's do not it. so much prediction, just more, um, we're big Sierra fans. Okay. And we just want to see how big a Sierra fan you are. Okay. All right. I'm going to read the first part of a lyric. Okay. Now I'm going to give you multiple choice. All right. We're not yep. trying to hang you out yeah, to dry. Sounds good. Sounds all right. You ready? You know you want this yummy, yummy. A, all in the, all right, all right, you got that one, ding. All right, no problem, no problem. Number two, what if I had a thing on the side? A, made you jealous. B, told you that's how I fly. C, made you cry. What if I had, well, there's three parts to that, okay. What if I had a thing on the side, made you jealous? I think it's A. Uh, but keep, keep going. I, I have made you cry. Made you cry. Gotcha. Made you cry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good sign. All right. All right. We in the zone now. A. Don't stop. B. Welcome. C. Touchdown. In the zone down. This is from the ride, right? So in the zone now. Boom. Read the read the multiple choice again. Don't stop. We in the zone now. Don't stop. 
Welcome or touchdown? I would say touchdown. And it's from Body Party. Yeah, touchdown, right? Touchdown is I got Sorry. don't stop. Oh, shoot. I wish it was touchdown, though. You know, <laughs> right. I feel like it'd be a little like Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, you ready? Yep. To him, I'm a gymnast. Going for the gold, this ring is my circus, Team USA. I'm in the gymnast, I'm in the circus. Uh, read the options again. Going for the gold, this ring is my circus, Team USA. This ring is my circus. Bingo! Nailed it! This, it's hard without the music. I can yeah, hear you kind of, that's how you get it, right? It exactly, loud, yeah. exactly. Number five, you ready? Automatic, supersonic, hypnotic, Funky freaky French? French? Funky. Nope. Funky Fresh. Fresh. You're, like, you're like, I don't even need that. All right, I gotta ask, can you one, two, step? <laughs> kind of. Okay, all right, come on. Would you Would you just, we're gonna play a little music here. I'm gonna pull these tables you back. Put some music on? Yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. I'm gonna try to. Think you could do it to the theme song? I got my chord. All right, all right. It's look. like something like, one, two, step. Yeah, yeah. One, two, step. Yeah. Something like that. One, two, step. Yeah, yeah something one, like that. One, two, step. step. All right, Russell, thank you so much for joining thank us, you, my man. man. You are so busy, thank for you. Sure, sure. Up next, Saeed is talking to Veronica Chambers about Queen Bay. My man. All right. Have a good one. Yeah, be good. Sure. Social news outlet Beyonce Legion tweeted, a new book dedicated to Beyonce and composed by Veronica Chambers has been released. The book features essays from a diverse range of voices from star academics to outspoken cultural critics, including the wonderful Lena Waithe, Kid Fury, and Michael Eric Dyson. Author Veronica Chambers joins me now to talk about her new book, Queen Bee, a celebration of the power and creativity of Beyonce Knowles Carter. Hi, yes, good morning, hi, Veronica. Good morning. I'm so excited to talk to you. Okay, so um, what was your goal with this anthology, right? So much is been said and discussed about Beyonce, of course. What did you intend to do? We really wanted to create a really smart discussion about the arc of her career. Mm. I mean, she has changed the game, as she says, walked away, come back, changed it up again. Mm -hmm. And so we really wanted to get really bright, creative people to talk about the creativity and the power. Because when you really look at it as an arc, mm -hmm. it is extraordinary. It really is, it yeah. really is. And there's so much to discuss. Is there a, a detail or an anecdote or an example from the book that while you were editing the anthology, you went, I didn't know that, this is huge. Um, I think that one of the things that really struck me was a conversation that Ms. Um, Melissa Harris-Perry and Moncomper Conte had. Okay. And it was really interesting, just the cross-generational mm. conversation. And it talked about class and, you know, commercialism and Beyonce. And I just think the idea, you know, like I think that looking at her work as a like political, economic, all those kind of templates is really exciting. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you think there is anyone else right now who comes even close to the current cultural impact of Beyonce? I think that having spent like a year right. in the world of B. I really think that there's, she's outworked her peers, but mm. she's also gone in and done this like extraordinary growth. Like what we keep seeing from album to album, it's great music, but it's also growth, yeah. creative growth, which is- Yeah, I agree. I, I think one of the, as someone who I've loved her since No, 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 part two, <laughs> you know, all of that, um, but the depth, uh, I, you know, I think often when people get to a point of just such power and star wattage, you know, you can kind of do whatever you want, exactly. but it seems like it's like we're getting to know like these different facets of her. 
each time. Yeah, I think that's part of what really makes her electric Mm. is that she's like kind of, you see, it's like a great, you know, like science experiment, right? Mm -hmm. Like it Mm -hmm. blows up when you see all these different chemicals go in and a scientist is like an Albert Einstein is creating something genius. Like we're kind of watching her like make a creative explosion every time and you can't look away. Whether or not you're a Beyonce fan or not, I think that is almost a non-starter. It's like, Mm. it's either, you know, I listen to it you know, recreationally, I listen to it like a straight out Beehive member, or I just look at it from afar and I respect right. and admire. Because but it's important. Because it's important. It's right. part of our culture. Absolutely. That's a great way of saying it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, we wanted to play a game uh, with some Beyonce trivia. Uh, we I quizzed a couple of my showrunners this morning. And, okay. Uh, they uh, disappointed me. So uh, we'll see how you do with this game. It's just stuff from throughout her life. Um, yes. How well you know Queen B. Okay, question one. Um, what is Beyonce's middle name, Gail, Gisette, or Giselle? Giselle. Giselle. Yes. Thank you. Um, ooh, that's a satisfying ring. Thank you, Gail. Yes. Um, what, is, oh, ooh, uh, what number does Beyonce have tattooed in Roman numerals on her finger? Six, four, or eight? Four. Four. For such a, we know is a very, very important Beyonce um, Her and Jay are obsessed with that damn number. Yeah. Um, what is, do we know why? What was the story behind for? Well, they got married on April 4th. Okay. Her birthday is September 4th. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got married 4 4 14, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember his birthday, but I think there's a four in I it. I think too. so. I think. I even think like the self titled album came out on like December yes. 4th. There's yeah. a lot of force, a lot of force. Yeah. Um, what is Beyonce's mother's maiden name? Um, Beyonce, uh, Beyond, or Beyonce? Beyonce. It's Beyonce with an I. Oh, that's what, oh. That's what gets people. What gets the Creole, people. like, <laughs> bringing in other languages on me. <laughs> that's perfectly reasonable. The Creole yeah. is confusing. Yeah. Uh, this one is the one I. It's hard, I think. How many Grammy Awards does Beyonce have? 12, 17, or 23? It's 23, right? Yeah. yeah. I think it's hard because I was like, holy shit, that yeah. is a lot of Woo! Some people still don't have one. Anyway, yeah. okay. Uh, one more. Uh, where is Beyonce's hometown? Houston, Atlanta, or New Orleans? Oh, come on. I was, you know, I was like, Houston. <laughs> Houston, thank you. Can you all worry? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, listen, I have the fuck. Like, yeah. I have the fuck. Oh, my God. I love it. Well, if you missed any of those questions, except for the number of Grammys, because I think yeah. that's actually 23. It's kind of hard to yeah, guess. Yeah, that is really great. Thank you for doing this book. It's Thank really exciting. You. There is so much to learn and understand the different facets, not just about her career, but the impact of her work. Yeah, I think it's a great model for um, the time we're in. Yes. You know, we can always do more. Absolutely. Absolutely. We can always do more. Well, again, Queen Bee, a celebration of the power and creativity of Beyonce Knows Carter is out now. Buy two copies, one for yourself and one for a friend. <laughs> Up next, Isaac and I are going to read more of your tweets. <laughs> Thank, Thank you so much. Welcome back. We asked you how you will announce your 2020 bid. Brent Staples said, on AM to DM. Don't do that. Why not? Because that's, that's one more person running. That's all we got to do. <laughs> that's, that's all the show will become. Someone goes to the show to announce and I'm just going to be like, why? <laughs> why are you doing like all of the questions? What is why the, are you putting us through this? What is the point? Oh my gosh. It's going to be so many people, man. Going to be? It is so many people. It's I don't know. I mean, more the, people than Beyonce's got Grammys. 
Your boy learned something today. 23! Wow. 23, that's a lot. I mean, the part of it is like debates have to happen, right? Like the parties I have to organize so. debates. How is this going to work? Like you, it's certainly more than 20 people, I think. At GOP primary 2016 was like 13, I think. And that was a lot. It was a lot. It's not very coherent. People, it, it, it impacts like certain people start getting left out, mm-hmm. right? If they're not center mm-hmm. enough in the party. Like I think that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, candidates have less time in debate to actually talk substantively. It's just mm-hmm. people just kind of Screaming out random sound bites. Mm. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Sounds I don't like know. a website. I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, um, Blasian FA had this to say about one of our fire tweets. Um, whenever someone says, someone said, dot, 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 and then they tell like a random story, it was actually them, and they don't want to get dragged in case the thing they say is controversial. That's true. That's real. That's objective. That's real. I, I overheard. Yeah, yeah. A friend of mine Or said. the other day I heard. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fine. You're just making, it's fine. That's I don't know. Right. It's, a, it's a genre. It's 2019. Give yourself cover. It's a mode of, yeah. I mean, that is actually true. Give yourself coming. Don't gloat about your bribes. You know, we're, we're all learning so Don't much. pay to get your kids in college. Danette <laughs> Smith from our Poets Hotline segment says, yo, Russell Wilson is on AM to DM sharing oh tender gosh. moments about raising future's child. Sierra won. Yeah. I can't believe the production team made me read that tweet. Uh, he was delightful. <laughs> it was delightful. I was in the control room, like, preparing for my next step. I was like, what did he say? He did was... He- the way so he beautiful. talked about why not you, really, like, you know, yeah. it's powerful and, and stuff. And him talking, I thought, talking about a blended family, like, it's mm-hmm. kind of incredible in 2019, the, the, the paucity of, I think, thoughtful content and ideas we have kind of out there highlighted about blended families when there are so many blended mm-hmm. families. And so it was great. To Most hear. are. Uh, Most Speaking of family, blended. you, Dinez, and Franny, it was ah. a delight to watch I love well. them. So great. I love getting to have poets on the show. It's great. All right, well, thank you to all of our guests. Also, Scott Bixby was on. His mom's watched and said she loved this morning. So thank you, Scott Bixby, oh, Mama, for watching. <laughs> thank you. And of course, Scott, you were great, too. You were great, too. Uh, Dan Vergano, Nitty Prakash, Dominic Holden, and that big-ass union button. I love it. We stand. Dinesh Smith, Franny Choyle, Russell, Russell Wilson, and Veronica Chambers. Thank you all. Absolutely. We'll be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Tomorrow, it will be Friday. You're getting through the week. You've almost made it. Keep going. Have a great Corrupt- Caucasians, though. What was, what, was the, what was the three one? Corrupt, Caucasian, Caucasians, collegiate. <laughs> I don't know. I-